0: Well, hello to everyone and welcome to another go-to meeting. It's really, really nice as always to be with everyone. So let's go ahead and get started with the message and by turning back to Matthew 24. And we're going to start in Matthew 24 in, in verse 4. So it says here, then Jesus answered and said to them, be on guard so that no one deceives you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they shall deceive many." And, you know, we've seen this over time, through years. It's talked about some in history, those have appeared and, and claimed to be Christ. And and we know as time goes on, we'll be seeing more of this. And you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. It says, see that you do not let these things disturb you, for it is necessary that all these things take place, but it says the end is not yet. And I know a lot of people in the church Probably say, well, you know, for years and years, probably through almost all of time, there's been wars, right? Wars continually, rumors of wars. But certainly in this time, if you haven't noticed, there's a difference. Things have escalated. A lot of the nations in this world that are at war or getting or contemplating war have a lot to do prophetically with what's coming up. So definitely there, there is something brewing here, and we know Satan's at work behind this. It says, for a nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom, shall, uh, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in different places. And we see that. And, you know, you read the news all over the world of the different things going on. Certainly there's a lot of problems in the world right now, a lot of things for us to be concerned about. Now, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated by all nations for thy name's sake. Well, you, you read that. Um, that's talking about the end times and what will happen to a lot of God's people. And then shall many be led into sin and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall, shall deceive many. And because lawlessness shall be multiplied, the love of many shall grow cold. And we see that now. You know, in society, how much love do people really have for one another? And hopefully in the church, uh, that's not a problem. But That can be a problem and I believe is also a problem within the church. But the one who endures to the end, that one shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed in all the world for a witness to all nations. And then shall the end come. So in the times we're living in and and we know. Times to come, these things are intense, intensifying, aren't they? Like we just mentioned, Satan stirring things up, but prophetically we know these things are to come to pass. You know, are our eyes open to what's going on? Are they open to more importantly God's word? Are our eyes open to the truth? Are our eyes open to God's promises? Are Do we find ourselves at times as we read these things like we just read that are going to come? And, you know, in in many people's opinion, a lot of things are starting to happen. Do we find ourselves having some fear of what's going on? Maybe it's sometimes having some doubts about our calling and what we need to be doing ourselves personally. Well, with that, I want to review and we'll turn back to Second Kings. I want to review the account of Elisha and back in Second Kings, if we can go to Second Kings. And I'm going to go to verse first uh, uh, or chapter six of Second Kings. And let's pick it up in verse eight. So. Here, as we get started, we, uh, we're going to be reading about the king of Syria and how at that time he was coming after Israel and the king of Israel uh, in particular. Second King six and verse eight, it says the king of Syria warred against Israel, and took counsel with his servants, saying in such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel and this man of God is Elisha being spoken of here saying, Beware that you do not pass such a place, for the Syrians have come down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place of which the man of God told him and warned him and saved himself there not once, uh, not once nor twice. So we know this happened a few times. He was able to. Uh, Save himself and those with him. In verse 11, it says, so the heart of the king of Syria was enraged for this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? So you can just imagine being the, the king of Syria here and his army and here he's he's got these well thought plans and. They don't come to pass every time he doesn't succeed with what he's trying to do. So very frustrating for him. And he's probably wondering, hey, what's what's going on here? And then one of the servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet. Who is in Israel tells the uh, the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, go and spy there. Uh, where he is, so that I may send and bring him. And it it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. And he sent there horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. So, you know, at this point, they probably think, yeah, we've, we've got Elisha now. You know, he's in this city, and we've got this city surrounded, so we have succeeded. And isn't that how it is with this world And Satan, when it comes to you think about God's people in the church, how many times you think they've had success in harming or disrupting God's people. But it didn't come to pass those plans. So we'll read on here to see what happens here. So the city surrounded. And the servant of the man of God arose early and he went out. So this this is a servant of of Elisha and behold, an army surrounded the city and horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master. What shall we do? So here the servant, he sees this big army out there and he's certainly uh, distressed over. it. He's got a lot of concern about what's going on. I'm sure, you know, he's he's afraid of what's happening here. Elisha answered, and he said, do not fear. He said, for those with us are more than those with them. So, you know, brethren, that's something that we always should remember. When we were called and went into covenant with, with God and Jesus Christ, there are always more of us than there are of them because we have God and Jesus Christ on our side continually and all the holy angels. So it's good for us to just remember this, if nothing else. There's more of us than there are of them. And Elisha knew this, right? So let's continue on. It says, And Elisha prayed and said, I pray you, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see and the lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around elisha so this young man this servant was able to to see what was there what really was there around them and i'm sure that was strengthening and encouraging for him and something he never forgot but you know do Do we fear? Are our eyes open to see what God's doing continually? And they should be. You know, fear, if we have fear, fear closes our eyes. Fear puts us in a position where we can't understand or focus on the things that we need to be focusing on. God and his presence and his word and the truth. And, of course, his promises that he's made to us. So this is a blinding that occurs when we have fear. Hopefully, you know, we can have the confidence that Elisha had to know what was there and the power thereof. Where God was able to open this man's eyes also to see that. So what can cause us is what I want to cover here to have our eyes close spiritually, to have these type of fears maybe where we don't recognize what's done through God in Christ. Let's go back to Second Corinthians 4 because we have a light shining upon us continually that we can see, brethren. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, let's go back there. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having this ministry, according as we have received mercy, we are not faint-hearted." Paul writing here. For we have personally renounced the hidden things of dishonest gain, not walking in cunning craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitful. But by manifestation of the truth, we are commending ourselves to every man's conscience before God. So yeah there was a proper way that Paul and the others with with Paul, um, whether it be Silas or Timothy or Titus whoever it was, there was a certain way they delivered the Word of God correctly and faithfully. It says, but if our gospel is hidden it's hidden to those who are perishing in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. And that's how Satan works. He works constantly to keep this world blinded to what the truth is. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. For we do not preach our own selves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Because it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness who shined into our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have this treasure in earthen vessels in order that the supremacy of the power may be of God and not from us. So we have God's Spirit within us, don't we? It's a light. It's a light of knowledge. And we need to use that and exercise that. Don't we? All of us. Because we know what it produces. And it gives us this mind where we can help put away fear and but have our eyes open to the things our eyes need to be on. But Satan, as we read here, his his desire is to blind. And brethren within the churches, his desire is also to blind those within the churches that have been enlightened to this truth and this knowledge we have, to become blinded again to it. So, you know, as Paul wrote, we're, we need to be mindful of these schemes and not be ignorant of them, because he'll work in any way he can to, to cause a blinding. Well, one thing we need to pay attention to also when it comes to trying to make sure we don't have fear is, Being skilled in God's word. How important is that, that we know God's word? Let's go back and see what Paul wrote about that in Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Hebrews 5, and I'm going to start in verse 9. It says that having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. after he had had been designated by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, concerning whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. So, yes, Jesus Christ, all the things Jesus Christ did, what he came here to the earth to be, the perfect sacrifice, our Savior, all the things he came to teach and reveal to us, including the Father. There was so much here that needed to be taught about Christ. But because of where they were in this being dull of hearing, it was hard to do that. And we just don't want to find ourselves in that same position, do we? We want to be eager to hear and eager to learn and to practice these things, as Paul will talk about as we continue on here. It says, for truly this time, you ought to be teachers. But instead, you need to have someone teach you again what are the beginning principles of the oracles of God. And have become those in need of milk and not of solid food. For everyone who is partaking of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for those who are fully grown, who through repeated practice have had their senses trained to discern good and evil. So help to help us. With maybe fears or doubts, knowing God's word is critical knowing the word of righteousness. And by practicing this, as Paul talks about, it gives us the ability to be able to have discernment and to know the difference between good and evil and to recognize what we see going on so we can have confidence and courage. And again, as we're talking about in this message, maybe not have the doubts and the fears. So hopefully for all of us, we enjoy studying God's word. You know, it's not a it's not a chore to us or it's not something we uh, we don't look forward to or something we we do because we just feel it's necessary to to check the box for that day. But we look forward to and yearn for God's word in the study of it and the understanding of it. Hopefully we have all of us in the church. You know, that's our desire every day is to hear from God and his word and to learn and to be on the meat of God's word and not the milk. Because, brethren, if we're at this point on the milk of God's word, uh, it's not fruitful. So we need to be on the milk of God's work and growing and developing. Well, we need to be developing ourselves, don't we, Personally. Understanding what this opportunity is God's given us through his calling. Let's turn back to Matthew 25. And we'll just go over quickly here the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. And particularly about the person who received one talent. Matthew 25, and let's go to verse 24, and it said, The one who had received the single talent also came to him and said, Lord, I know that you are a hard man, reaping where you did not sow sow, and gathering where you did not scatter. And because I was afraid, I went and hid your talent in the earth. Now, look, you have your own. His Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather what I did not scatter. Because you knew this, you were duty bound to take my talent to the money exchanger so that I when I came, I could have received my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has shall, more shall be given and he shall have abundance. On the other hand, as for the one who does not have, even that which he has shall be taken from him and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So. It's our responsibility, isn't it? Once we entered into the covenant. To develop ourselves spiritually to have the goal to develop the mind of christ that was part of what we agreed to when we went into covenant are we afraid to do this you know as we receive this calling and this understanding do we do we have fear in doing that you know now something else what's what's our attitude towards god You know, is our attitude like this servant here where he looked at God and and basically told God what he was, in his opinion, a hard man? What's our thoughts of God? Do we do we look at God that way? Well, we know that's not who God is. God's a, a God of love, right? And very merciful and patient with us. But yet he desires us to grow and develop. And we know with this servant here, the real answer is what God told him. You know, he was wicked and he was lazy. So what we've been given, brethren, through this calling, we need to be growing and developing in. You know, and if we do that, again, we'll grow in confidence. And it'll help our fears. So we need to look at God for who God is. The loving God, right? And not like this man that received a single talent. Well sometimes our the fears we have or doubts we have can can from, come from a you know, lack of faith. And God desires us to have faith in him. We'll go back to Hebrews 11 and read read the verse 6 of Hebrews 11 which when we talk about faith, this is a, a chapter we we turn to, Hebrews 11, and let's look at verse 6. It says, now without faith, it is impossible to please God. And you think about the, what we read earlier there in 2 Kings 6 with Elisha. Wow, the faith of Elisha, you know, knowing that everything was going to be okay, right? That those that there was more, there's more of us than there are of them. You know, he prayed, Lord, open his eyes so he can see and understand this, the faith he had. For it is mandatory for the one who comes to God to believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So are there rewards for seeking God? Are there rewards for having faith in God? Yes, there are. And they're a lot more than maybe just the physical things. They have a lot to do with our spirit and how that's working within us. And the increasing of our faith help generate more of God's power through his spirit within us. So we always have to look to God first, don't we? And it's easy to look to ourselves first. But God desires us to look to to him and not trying to come up with our own solutions. You know, if we find ourselves where we're trying to figure things out for ourselves and we don't have faith in God, and diligently seek after him and look to him, you know, we can find ourselves again as this servant was where his eyes were shut, his eyes were closed not to see. So building our faith and having our faith and coming to God that way is is very important for us in the spiritual walk. Well, another part of this is we need to continually have the relationship with God in Christ and keep that relationship with them. Continually looking to Christ, you know, our personal Savior, our elder brother. Let's go back to Matthew, the 14th chapter. <clears throat> Matthew 14, and I want to pick it up in verse 25. It says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and said, it is an apparition. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good courage. It is I. And he said, don't be afraid. So they, they knew who Christ was, right? So. Again, he had to let him know, hey, it's it's me. You don't need to be afraid. But then Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it is you, okay, bid me to come to you upon the waters. So what did Jesus Christ do then? He said, he said come. Come on. That's what you want to do. If you have faith that you can do this, come to me. And after climbing down from the ship, Peter walked upon the waters to go to Jesus. So uh, I'm not sure how big the ship was, probably a, a decent size, maybe shipping type vessel that, that was out of the water. But uh, as it um, talks about here, Peter climbed down out of this ship and he sees this uh this sea, this open ocean, is just maybe a surface that he can he can climb down and stand on, and start walking on and walk towards Christ as Christ said, "Come, come on over to me." And you notice Peter was the only one that uh, re- requested to do this, right? None of the others seemed to have any any interest in this, but Peter Peter was ready. Going on the verse. 30, it says here, but when he saw how strong the wind was, he became afraid. And as he was beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? So it was all going great there, wasn't it? Peter got down, and and Christ gave him the ability to be able to walk on the water through his faith. And then the winds hit, and the winds hit, and he started thinking about other things, didn't he? And he began to sink because he took his mind off Christ and the relationship with Christ and the faith in Christ and the faith in Christ, and Christ said, come. Right. So it's important for us to continually, again, have that relationship in our minds on Christ and God and what they're doing. Look to them. Always look to them. You know, if we look, start looking at the physical, the the physical things we face or run into in that instance at times, like Peter did here with the with the strong winds there. Uh, and our focus gets on that for too long, the physical things that, that can trouble us or be stumbling blocks for us or try or test us. And we can find ourselves in a situation where we have fear and we have doubts. So we need to keep our minds on Christ and the faith in him. Let's go back to Matthew 16. <clears throat> Matthew 16, and I want to start in verse 23 of Matthew 16. Now, we know Christ had just told the apostles here that the things that were going to happen to him there in Jerusalem, including that he would die. So in verse 23, this is Peter. He said, then he turned and said to Peter, or I'm sorry, in verse 22, Uh, It said but after taking him aside, Peter personally began to rebuke him, saying, God will be favorable to you, Lord, in no way shall this ever happen to you. Again, the things Christ was telling them that would happen to him and did. And he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me because your thoughts are not in accord with the things of God, but the things of men. See, the things of men. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and let him take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life shall lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So again, it goes back to where are our thoughts? Are our thoughts on the things of God? Are our thoughts on the things that God is doing, that God's working out on the prophetic things that we know will happen, that are necessary to take place? Or are our thoughts on men, or are our our thoughts on the physical things that aren't relevant to what God's doing, the bigger picture? Well, that's where our minds need to stay on and we see all, all these things going on in the world like we read when we started off in Matthew 24 when we see these things go on we need to remember what God is doing again the bigger picture well we we don't know what's what's getting ready to come to pass here in the near future do we 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 certainly don't but Again, you know, our lives are about being in God's kingdom. Our lives necessarily now, these physical lives, aren't always always about trying to save our physical lives. But our lives are about, as it talks about here, being in God's kingdom. For whoever desires to save his life shall lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So that's the mind we need to have. Let's go back to John 12. In John 12, I'm going to start verse 35. <clears throat> then Jesus said to them, yet a little while the light is with you. Walk while you have the light. So that the darkness will not overtake you. For the one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. And brethren, don't we still have the light now? I mean, we we still have been able to do so many things. And I know there's a lot of uh, brethren around the world that are really going through trials and problems and difficulties. But for a lot of the, the people and uh, the brethren in this nation I live in, this, the United States and some of the other countries where uh, the Israelites uh, are now, there are still freedoms and opportunities to do things just like we're doing here in this this meeting. So we still have the opportunity and time to do things that we need to be doing. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become the children of light. Jesus spoke these things and then he departed from them and was in hiding. Although he had done so many miracles in their presence, they did not believe in him. So, yes, we still have the light, don't we? The word of God, the light that would send us through the Holy Spirit, the light that shines upon us. So we need to believe in this and be faithful and strong in this still. While we have this opportunity. Because there's coming a time here where it may not be as easy for all of us as it is right now. And we have seen some changes where it's not as easy for some. But still, we can do some things now. We need to take advantage of that. And remember the miracles, right? As Christ said here, there were so many miracles done in their presence and they didn't believe. So let's all of us. Just remember to reflect on the to still the miracles that God's done with all of us in the church and in our lives and reflect on that. So it's important to take, again, advantage of the opportunity we have. And we have a great opportunity still in that relationship we have with God in Christ. No matter what our condition is, we always have that. Well, as far as as our fears, uh, we need to stay strong in God and rely on him. And Paul mentions this and we'll just turn to this one verse in Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6 and, in verse 10 it says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the might of his strength. You know, can, can we do this? You know, it's something we have to really. But are we able to do this, to be strong in God and his strength? Um, We have to overcome ourselves so much of the time for, for a lot of people. It's hard not to rely and look to other sources for power and strength. But we have to have a mind where we go to God and we're strong in Him and mighty in His strength, because that's the only way we'll get through some of the things that are coming. If we rely on ourselves or on other physical things, we'll find ourselves in trouble. And eventually having fear and doubt. You know, King David, He was a great example of someone who had strength in God and strength in his power and strength in his might coming through God to him. Let's see what David says about this back in Psalm 28. And we know what David went through in his life. He he was a man of war. And he saw a lot of war in his lifetime. And how did he get through all that, all those troubled times, times where he was destitute and probably in fear for his life? Well, it was because of God and his reliance on God. Psalm 28, verse 7, he says here, the Lord is my strength. And my shield, my heart trusted in him. And I am helped. He knew that. He knew that he had to have a heart and a mind that trusted in God. And he just said here, I'm helped. And he was. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And with my song, I will praise him. So that's, you know, that's the confidence that David had. And he rejoiced in that confidence. And we know, again, all the things David went through in his life. But he relied on God. He was faithful to God. And he received power and strength through that. And that's what we need, too, as we start approaching more times of the end. Well, we're also to remember who do we really fear? Do we fear God or do we fear man? Do we fear what man can do to us or do we fear ultimately what God's capable of doing? Let's go back to Matthew, the 10th chapter. Matthew 10, in verse 28, this is what Christ said. He said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but do not have the power to destroy the life. Rather, fear him who has the power to destroy both life and body, in Gehenna. So this is something really important to remember. God has the power to destroy life. You know, God and Jesus Christ, they created all things and we know of, of Jesus Christ it says, you know, every all things were created through him and for him. Right. So there, no matter if it was in heaven or on earth. So God and Jesus Christ, they were the creators of all things. But God has the authority and God can and will destroy life. All life that's been created. And I know at times there's been Uh, philosophies of men within the church that even have said, well, God can't destroy spirit. What says right here, he has the authority to take away and destroy life. And that's all life, brethren. So something to remember here that we need to fear God. But for us, And really for all mankind, you know, God desires for everyone to be in the kingdom. He desires for all to repent, right? He doesn't desire anybody to perish. But again, remember, I think we all do, that God has this authority and this power to take away all life. All life. So, yes, we want to fear. God's the point here, right? Don't want to fear what man can do to us. Man can Man can destroy the body, but man can't take away the life, the eternal life that we look forward to. Only God can take care and kill the eternal life. Take that'll take life away. Well another thing to think about when we look at ourselves and where we're at spiritually when it comes to these things, do we have God's love within us? Well, we know there's all kinds of help that comes through God's love. And this, the spirit we have within us is it's a spirit of love, right? It's also a spirit of power. It's a spirit of sound mindedness that God's put within us. Let's read what John writes about this spirit within us in 1 John 4. Go to 1 John 4. Well, kind of going back to what I was saying there about God has the power to take away life. Um, you now one thing we need to be careful to do is not to do is tell God what he can't do. And I've heard that within the church where people have said, Well, God, you know, can't can't kill spirit. So uh, let's, let's be careful that we never tell God what he what he can and can't do. A lot of things that we don't really have a clear understanding about are in God's authority. And he and Christ know exactly what they're going to do, and we trust in them in all their decisions. So let's read what it says here in 1 John 4 and verse 14. He says, For we have seen ourselves and bear witness that the Father sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, and we know that's a true confession of who Jesus Christ is, where he came from, what he came here on earth to do, a faithful, true confession. It says, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and have believed. and have believed the love that God has towards us. God is love, and the one who dwells in love is dwelling in God, and God in him. By this spiritual indwelling, the love of God is perfected within us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because even as he is, also are we in this world. There is no fear in the love of God, rather perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. And the one who fears has not been made perfect in the love of God. So we do have the spiritual indwelling and brethren, we just need to make sure we're allowing God's spirit to fully work within us. Because it is a spirit of love. And it's at work. It's really a testimony of who we are, that spirit within us, and the fruits that are born from that spirit within us, in our actions, and what we do. It takes a long time to develop this mind of Christ and in the mind of God and in the love that they have. It's something we work at every day, diligently. But if we find ourselves fearing if we find ourselves with a different mind than what we read about here then may, maybe we're lacking some things there in our lives that we need to be doing maybe we're lacking this the use of god's spirit within us and what it's there for cuz it is a a spirit of love and there's no fear in that love that's within us we should have we should be being perfected by it and developing a different mind. Again, not the mind that you know Christ was telling Peter that he had a mind that thinks about the things of men, a mind of man, but the mind of God and what God thinks about God's love, right? As we just read here. So that's that's where our efforts need to be too, and you know particularly in developing the love for God and Christ and one another. Well, it's important every day that we strive in our faithfulness as far as our behavior, the behavior that God wants us to show. And to be developing towards him. And not, not only with him, but also with man. And how we conduct ourselves with man and the example we set as the children of God. So we want, I want to read an example for us back in Daniel, the example that Daniel set there with, with the king, but also with, with uh, God too. Let's go back to Daniel, the sixth chapter. Daniel six, and we're going to start in uh, verse three of Daniel six. It says, Then this Daniel uh, distinguished himself above the presidents and satraps because a surpassing spirit was with him. And the king was planning to set him over all the kingdom. So, Daniel, we know because of who he was, God's spirit dwelling within him and God giving him favor, uh, he had a lot of wisdom, right, that was given to him from God. And yeah. we know at times because of this, others who are in, in power and authority with with him or with those in the world or or sometimes we've seen it in the church, Uh, There's a lot of jealousies and envies and strifes go on, right? Well, this was happening with with Daniel here as well. And it said, and then the presidents and the rulers uh, sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning uh, the kingdom, but they could not find occasion or fault because he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. So what Daniel did There and serving, uh, in this this case it was uh, King Darius, Um, he was faithful in his service. There wasn't any fault or error found in him at all. Well, we know they set up a plot against him where there was a decree that came out from King Darius. And, um, you know, there was a period there of 30 days that no one was to bring any kind of petition or or praying uh, to anyone but the king. But they knew Daniel there was faithful to God and he prayed to God and they caught him in these prayers to God. And and a decree was made. Hey, if anybody does this to anyone else um, besides the king, to any other gods or any man, they're going to be put in the lion's den. And one thing about uh, the king here, Darius, and some of the kings at that time, they were faithful to what they agreed to. So even though yeah, King Darius really liked Daniel uh, when this was found out, Daniel was sent to the lion's den. So let's pick let's pick the story up uh, down in verse 18. It says and then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting because now Daniel is in the lion's den with these lions, and the king cared about daniel and he He didn't want Daniel to be there, but he was kind of tricked into it. It says, and instruments of music were brought before him, and his sleep uh, slipped uh, sleep fled from him and the king arose very early in the morning and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he cried with a grieved voice to Daniel. The king spoke and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God whom you always serve able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth, and they have not hurt me because before him, innocency was found in me. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. So, again, Daniel was faithful to God. Daniel was obedient to God. Daniel was, again, as an example to King Darius, he, he had done King Darius no harm. He was faithful also to him and set the example for that nation there. And the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel out of the lion, out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of injury was found on him because he trusted in his God. So, again, the. The point I want to make here is is it's important for us to keep our behavior right continually, no matter what condition we find ourselves in in the future and now, to keep our behavior correct. But first before God, right, because that's what God desires. But also it's an example to men and those around us. So. You know, we know these examples of of Daniel here in the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with the the fiery furnace. These examples are in here for us to review and look at and draw strength from, from their faith and what they did and their belief in God and their deliverance. And certainly all of us know as the future approaches and it, whether it comes in our time or it comes in our children's time or another generation, there is a time coming, like we read about there in Matthew 24 at the beginning of the message, where things are going to be very difficult, very difficult. You know, remember there in Revelation when it talks about this beast power, it's coming that, that anyone who does not worship the beast will be put to death. And certainly all of us, we won't be worshiping the beast or taking that number. And many, probably many in the world won't, too. Well, as we come to a close here, the message, again, emphasizing, you know, where, where are our minds? You know, what do we look to? Where's our confidence drawn from? What are our eyes continually open to? Well, hopefully they're the things of God, right? And not fear. Let's look at some scriptures in the Psalms that help us remember, maybe meditate on regarding protection we do have from God. And also the angels, you know, these ministering spirits sent forth to help us, the saints, what we have with God in them. Let's go back to Psalm 34. In Psalm 34, in verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Just like, you know, what Elijah and his servant were able to see with those the, the horses and the chariots of fire there uh, around them. Verse 17, it says, The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them. Out of all their troubles, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And God does. God delivers us out of all our troubles and all of our difficulties. And the one thing we have to remember and be mindful of, you know, there is a final deliverance for all of us. And again, not knowing what some people in the churches of God may face in the future. You know, the final deliverance is the death, which turns into a resurrection unto life. That's the final deliverance. So yes, there's always be a deliverance from God for the righteous. Psalm 91 verse 11. Here it mentions again, he says, For he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And and you know, we don't know how many times the angels have intervened in our lives, how, do we? We'll find out someday, you know, when we're when we're resurrected and we get to to meet all the faithful down through time that God's called who will be a part of the first resurrection and all the host of holy angels that have been with God's people over all these years. We'll get a chance to find out more than what's been done for yes. us. But they keep us. They're there to keep us. And we, we don't know, again, how many different ways that they've kept us, but we'll maybe find out someday. But, you know, truly we can be thankful every day and remember to thank God for them. And praising for him for what they do for us. Let's look to one more scripture before we close to sum to sum this up. And in Psalm 27, in Psalm 27, David writes here in verse one. He says, "Lord is my light and my salvation; whom shall I fear?" Well. David's eyes are wide open here. David sees and knows where his salvation comes from and what he feared. And we should be the same way. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, my enemies, and my foes come upon me to eat my flesh, they stumble and fall. Though an army should encamp against me, My heart shall not be afraid. Though war should rise against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I have desired from the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. David had his mind on on the bigger picture. He trusted in God and he knew God would deliver him. In all occasions, but God, but David thought about the future and where he would be. And he was looking forward to the day where he could see God. Behold him just as we all will. You know, as Paul talked about, we look through a a dark glass now, but then it'll be face to face. For in the same for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of this tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me up on a rock. So we need to keep our eyes, again, open to what God desires us to be doing, and that's trusting and looking to him. And again, in the times to come, we have to be doing that. That's the mind we need to be preparing ourselves to have now. The relationship we need to be building now, the character we need to be building now to be able to do that. So, truly, our strength and courage come from God in these times we're going to be facing. So, brethren, I'll just close by saying, you know, again, remember what Elijah told his servant. Those with us are more than those with them.